we're going to be talking today in Malachi chapter 2 and a little bit in chapter 3. And before we get started, we want to start off with a word of prayer. So um, if you have any special needs or anything of that nature, you please uh, uh, post it on Facebook. We read the Facebook pages. You can also post it on Branch Chapel uh, websites or, or Facebooks. They have two. They have the church site and we also have the community site. So please post your prayer request. And uh, we're sure that all of us that read those sites will be glad to pray with you related to your issues. So, but let's have a word of prayer right now. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity we have that we can come live through Facebook and share what you've given us in your word. We thank you, Lord, so much for what you do for us. We pray for this time period of this pandemic where people can't be uh, able to interface with other people personally, that, Lord, you would use these great technology tools to allow us to continue to share with each other our needs and uh, share with us our feelings and and just uh, communicate in a way that we can. I pray, Lord, for those that may get infected by this disease, that you would help them, Lord, to make it so that it's not bad. And then those, Lords that have to be hospitalized, we pray for the doctors and the nurses and all those that are involved, that you keep them safe. But also, Lord, I pray that you would help them with uh, the as they work to help these people in the hospital. Again, we thank you, Lord, for all you do for us. We pray, Lord, for today. That is the gospel is preached today, whether in person or via the internet or whatever medium, that, Lord, it be have the freedom to pierce the hearts and minds of men, women, boys, and girls that would hear your word, that it would not return to you void as your word promises us. Again, we thank you, Lord, for all you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay. We thank you so much for your time and uh, your your willingness to participate with us today. We're going to jump right in. I spent probably, uh, these, these minor prophets are a little more difficult sometimes, and uh, God just spoke to me about a variety of things as I read through. I will try to share with you some. I will not give you, I'm not going to give you the, um, uh, uh, I'm not going to try to uh, share with you the, um, Everything I gave because it, it, I, I probably spent 12 hours working on this yesterday uh, because God was speaking to me about what, and, and there's a variety of things. So we're just going to get right into it. This lesson to me, God spoke to me about was in, in Malachi chapter, we're doing chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 9, and we're also doing um, two verses out of chapter 3. The... Um, thing I wanted to talk to you about, though, that God spoke to me about was that really this chapter, these verses in chapter two are related to reverence. We're talking about reverence. The, you know, this is a question that we as Christians ask ourselves today more and more. You know, we see in our society, we see an increased society not only to be irreverent, but there's a boldness in their blasphemy. I mean, here's a few examples. I did a research on uh, the most most blasphemous movies in history. I don't know if any of y'all saw the movie Noah. It was in 2014 with Russell Crowe. What a horrible movie. What I mean is the, the, the writer of the movie totally distorted the truth. It had nothing to do with the original story at all. Even making, um, even making Noah to be some type of um, crazy man. Uh, and it just, it was absolutely horrible. Another movie in 94 was called The Priest. 
that depict a priest who was practicing a homosexual. Uh, Saved was a movie in 2004 that referred to the crucified Christ's physical features. Uh, Monty Python, Brain of Brian in 1979, turning crucifixion into a musical number. And, and I know many of you may have saw the Da Vinci Code. Well, that meant, claimed that Jesus and Mary Magdalene were married with children. Um, Dogma in 1999 uh, questioned the, virgin, the virginity of Mary. Uh, the Devil, 1971. Graphic scenes where church characters perform various forms of fornication in the church. Uh, the Exodus, 1973. Need we say any more about that one? Uh, and then the last temptation of Christ where Jesus had a sex scene. I mean, what type of irreverence and, and profanity that we see in the movies today. But then let's not talk about that and look at TVs. There's a new show on Netflix called Messiah. Uh, it depicts a character that's supposed to be Jesus who suddenly appears and performs miracles. And many people follow him and develop faith that this is Jesus' return. Totally unbiblical. I may say he could be better named the Antichrist. Because that would be more aligned to what he would do than what our Savior would do. Because he's not coming back like that today he comes back again he'll come back in the when the in the clouds of glory another show on showtime is called smith the main character catches her son's father the son's father praying with their young child and promptly freaks out and says knock it off come on there's no praying in this house that only took place in the first three minutes of the ep of the first episode uh, Shameless is another showtown. It's a story of gay character who leads protests against Christian churches who work with homosexuals to assist them. So in other words, the 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 all the negative is positive. The positive is negative. Those of us that would stand against these things happening in our schools and in our communities and in our churches, we're seen as the bad guys. Uh, Will and Grace, the new series, now is about anti-conservative, anti-traditional creed. Uh, they work in a plot that may that maybe make jokes when they can, including calling apostles of the group the apostles, a group of gays that that raped Mary. That that's out of the out of will and grace on NBC. Uh, major crimes. There's an entire five episodes that shows the Catholic Church as a beacon for pedophiles and adulterers. There's a a, a daytime divas on VH1 that a mother forces her son to dress as a girl to help her career. Uh, young Shelton, you may have seen that, constantly slamming his mother for her ridiculous references to Christian principles and her faith in God, downplaying and making Christians look ridiculous. Rise is one storyline about the noble struggle of a teacher and his students to put on a high school play. It, it just, you know, the list goes on and on. And then the last one I'll talk about is called The Preacher. This show is actually made, the second video is actually made. Um, it, yeah, this is um, uh, this is just ridiculous. Um, we could talk about the pastor who ministers to women by locking them in cages, or how the main character tears down pages from the Bible, rips out pages of the Bible, and uses it as joints. Um, they portray a Dan Brown style revelation that Jesus fathered a child and the Grail protected his lineage, or how the Messiah's descendant of Jesus is a mentally handicapped. Uh, or how they, if that weren't bad enough, the absolutely worst of the preacher features an extended graphic sex scene portraying Jesus losing his virginity to a married woman the night he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. These are things, how blasphemous can we be? And yet this show has been renewed for a second season.
you know, not only do we see the disrespect and the blasphemy, we also see how men and women treat each other today. You know, men are told that women are equal and they do not require them to be treated differently. This has nothing to do with equal pay for equal work. That should always been that way. You should pay people for what they do, regardless who you are. But the woman was created by God as different than man. Men and women recognize that difference and treat each other accordingly. That's what God's word wants. We treat the sexes the same. This leads to confusion, perversion. Seeing roles can become reversed and opposite from God's plan. This perversion is due to lack of reverence from God's command. Again, disrespect, irreverence of God's commands for us. We see this in the church. We can see the same lack of reverence in our society as we see in the church. Time was when the house of God meant how thou oughtest to behave thyself. 1 Timothy 3.15 not so much now. Church services resemble the superficial entertainment world, making it clear the cue has come from. Uh, outreaches make sinners laugh rather than under God's, bringing them under God's conviction and God's holy sorrow. Sanders address and modesty uh, do not be token. That which become godliness is what it says in 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10. We need to be careful about how we dress, how we act, how we worship God. It makes a difference. Um, the cause for that, let's explore that a little bit. First of all, dictionary definition. To, re, to The definition of respect is to consider or to treat with profound awe and respect. Reverence denotes a mingling of fear with a high degree of respect and esteem, a feeling of profound awe, respect, often love. Those are what the definition for reverence is all about. The scripture uses the word reverence only 13 times. The first and the last occurrence relates to the worship of God. Ye shall reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. That's the first time he used it. Leviticus 19.13. The last time it's used in scripture is in Hebrews 12.28. Let us have grace, thereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Let's examine some areas of reverence. God is first. God is the first cause of this virtue. Holy and reverence is his name, Psalm says in 11.9. Uh, the Holy Scripture. Scripture teaches that God's word should be reverenced. In Psalms 138.2 says, Thou hast magnified thy name above all thy name. Above the word above all thy name. It follows then that as men must reverence God, so they must tremble at his word. Isaiah 66.2 Trembleth at my word. They fear, they're in awe, they have magnificent respect. We're not seeing that today. We see a lack of respect among human government. Uh, in Romans 13.1 says, The powers that be ordained of God. We do not see respect in our government for our government officials, even among themselves. It's, it's, it's terrible. Marriage and the family has lost respect. God has made marriage and family social instructions. The social infrastructure of human society, yet men and women devote, devoted to each other in holy matrimony, make happy, secure homes with the children entrusted in them, but we don't see that today. We see homes destroyed. We see families destroyed. We even question what a family should look like today. That goes into lack of respect, talks about the sanctity of life. You know, uh, we don't care about children anymore. We can abort babies even after they're born. They can kill them. What happened? When we lose reverence, well, the first thing is others are reverenced instead. If you don't reverence God, you'll reverence something else. Um, 
when they have not, when they don't reverence God, they demand a reverence out of all proportion to their dues. Romans 12, 2 says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, that every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. See, if you don't think of God highly, you think of yourself. People these days love to glorify themselves. The media turns to sportsmen and women, actors, entertainers, into celebrities, even using religious terms like icons and idols. You know, if you don't worship God, if you don't reverence God, you reverence something else. And this inverted reference is thoroughly perverse. Politicians can use God's name in vain with little outcry. But political correctness demands that reverence for all else except what belongs to the honor of God. They can say, they can use God's name in vain and that's fine. But if they talk bad about uh, uh, something else, that's political, green, the green way or whatever, you know, they get all kinds of grief about that. Moreover, losing sight of what matters worse, certain products are not tested on animals. Uh, import, imported products are fair trade that, that we worry about. Ethical and moral policies are followed in every way, well, in their way. Yet the most godly and immoral lifestyles are condoned and even turned by the media into entertainment. We're bombarded with warnings about saving the environment, yet a morally polluted environment increases around us and the reverent generation could not care less. Moral absolutes go. Men will not glorify the God of creation, but as Romans 1.8 say, hold the truth in unrighteousness. See, instead of worshiping the Creator, they began worshiping other things. It's not a coincidence that in Romans 1, we see a continued decline as that chapter goes along. When the living God is not reverenced, moral absolutes are not either. Scripture is downplayed. Modern Bible translations show us that. Taking liberties with sacred texts, paraphrasing. The New International Version began this in 1978, and we've seen all kinds of translations come out that way. Undoubtedly, the best way to prevent that is to use sound versions, such as the original King James Version or newer, closely aligned versions. Be careful which version you use. It is important. People who exhibit virtues of reverence are little, are little appreciated. Again, they're ridiculed on TV. In today's lesson, we'll see the lack of leadership by the religious leaders resulted in a lack of reverence for God and destruction that will happen as a result. All that's all this is part of the introduction. Uh, now we're going to get into Malachi. See, we talked about the whole, the purpose of that is so you understand that, that, that this passage of scripture is important for us today because we'll see in Malachi the irreverence of those leaders and of the people and because of it, what happened to them? And so I want to see, show, we're talking about, so we're going to now look a little background on Malachi. First of all, his name is debated. Malachi, his name actually means messenger. Uh, some believe that this is not actually his proper name, but a title because it means messenger. And he doesn't really give you anything about his background, who he was and what his lineage is, which is not typical for people. Although many believe it is his proper name and so we'll call him Malachi either way because either way this is the word of God and it was accepted and was used and quoted in the New Testament several times which made the book easily part of the canonization process. Uh, the book was written after the Jews returned from captivity 
from their captivity in Babylon. And after Nehemiah had rebuilt the walls and Ezra had reestablished temple worship. We know this because he talks in here about the worshiping in the temple. So all this had been reestablished. So we can place this date around 420 BC. Uh, what is in the book? Well, there's four chapters. Chapter one, God's love and Israel's ingratitude. And the priest's mercenary spirit about how a better priesthood will replace them eventually. Chapter 2 is reproof of the priests for violating the covenant. That's what we're going to focus on our attention today and the reproof of the people for violating mixed marriages and unfaithfulness. Chapter 3 talks about the Messiah's coming and the forerunning of Christ, John the Baptist. It talks about punishment of the guilty for various sins and the reward for those that fear God. That's all in chapter 3. In chapter 4, God's coming judgment, the millennial times, the triumph of God, final victory, and the return to law and best preparation for Jehovah's coming. And then finally, Elijah's preparatory mission of reform. I would encourage you, read this book of Malachi. It is a, uh, it is a great book with lots of information. And again, like I said, I spent about 12 hours yesterday going through the book to pull out today's lesson. Unfortunately, today we're only becoming a small portion. So please spend time reading God's Word. Get you something on it. It is a great small book that you can read in one setting, but it will take you hours, if not days and months, to go through the important values of it. Today's lesson, we're going to cover the failure of the religious leaders and renewing the call for right leaders. Before we do, I do want to talk about chapter 1. I don't think you can talk about chapter 2 without focusing some on chapter 1. So we are going to look at chapter 1 of Malachi. Malachi shows the leaders had demonstrated a lack of reverence. In verse 1, in verse 1, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. God had promised, uh, how is, how in the world? It says here, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. In chapter, in verses 4 through 5, he talks about what God had promised concerning, uh, uh, the, the, the uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to get all this in in a time period, so uh, bear with me. What God had promised concerning the Chaldeans had wholly come to pass. That's what he talks about in verse 4 and 5. Remember last week's lesson and all, we talked about the destruction, or the week before, we talked about the destruction of, of how the Chaldeans were going to come in and destroy everything. And uh, how, uh, how Habakkuk said, I don't understand it. That don't make any sense to me. Why would you let them do it? Well, God's promise concerning the Chaldeans, he said, listen, they're going to get wiped out. And uh, verse 4 and 5, he talks about how they were and showed that his, his promises come true. As other nations have, stirred, have strived to take the land and establish the kingdom, God promised that whatever they build, he will tear down. This is true today, haven't we? We see how these nations have built land, built things on this promised land, and they destroy, they get destroyed. We see how God's nation, God's people will establish his kingdom there on the earth that the Israelites will have their nation there. No matter what they may build, it will be destroyed. God has promised that. It is God. He will tear it down. God will expand the nation of Israel in verse 5. He's already, we've seen that done as he has he expanded into Golan Heights already. God will expand the nation of Israel even more during the millennial reign. It, the nation of Israel will be bigger. Uh, the corruption of the priests are then talked about. This is what we're going to focus on. They did not reverence God. Uh, they used old bread on the altar, moldy bread, and kept the good for themselves. 
they reject they used rejected sheep and goats and sacrifices those that that they kept the good one for themselves they used the blind and the lame and those that were not good they used them for sacrifice and they kept the good ones for themselves um the question is the way that they did things. The Bible even said, would you offer this type of food? Would you do these type of things? Would you show this lack of respect for your governor? You know, when we think about going to church, the way we go to church, the way we present ourselves to God, how would we present ourselves if we went to see the governor? Or if we went to see the president? Would we dress that way? Would we act that way? If we are going to have them to our house, how would we feel? Would we, would we provide them the best meals? Would we do the best? Or would we do like we do? Question is, when you, we come to church and we worship God, how are we doing? Are we reverencing the house of God the right way? Or are we sacrificing that for the sake of comfort and enjoy and, and ease? Uh, do you think these actions are okay with God? Uh, you only do your work if someone pays you a fee. That's what they told the priest. In verse 11, though, is a great verse. Matter of fact, I just posted a brand new a blog on uh, my blog. If you don't, if you don't participate in my blog, it's called "The Battle Is Within." I just posted it today. It's talking about this verse particularly. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. It simply say that I'll read this to you because it's very important. In this verse, it says, "For from the rising of the sun even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles, and in every place incense shall be offered unto my name." And a pure offering, for not my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. It's because the nation of Israel had rejected God over and over again because they treated him with lack of respect, God said, I will turn my work to the Gentiles. In this church age that we're living in today, the Gentiles drive it. I mean, let's face it, God has given it, it said, he promised it. It says, from the morning to night and from the east to the west, the name of Jehovah will be shouted by the Gentiles. The church of God today is controlled and driven by the Gentiles. Yes, there will come a time when God turns back to his nation of Israel and they will be the driving force again. But during this time period now, God has turned to us, Gentiles, to spread his word. And we've done a decent job. The word of God is spread in every place. Uh, through the internet, through other names, through missionaries. We have lots of work to do. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that it's what God has said is true, which is always true. But in chapter, in verse 11, he talks about the great and mighty works that will be done. Incense, which is prayers of God, of people, God's people, are everywhere. Uh, the nation of Israel has profaned his name, and God is getting tired of the disrespect. It isn't, it isn't interesting the heathen fear me, but the people who should not, who who should do not. Isn't it interesting that the people, the heathen, feared him, but the people that should, because of all the great things they did, did not show him any respect. So now, as we get into today's lesson, as God turns his attention to the irreverent priest and his people. So now let's turn our Bibles to the, the passage Malachi 2, verses 1 through 9, and we'll read verse number 1. And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. And now, as a result of what just told them, he's going to address this issue. As this, as a sub-chapter 1, that's why I said it's important we had to read chapter 1. As a result of all that, as a result of them giving, doing, really showing irreverence to God, I mean, how dare they give him food that they wouldn't offer to their governor, yet they're doing it to God. And God says, and now, as a result of what I just told you, these are the issues. O ye priests, 
God turns his attention specifically to the priest who he holds most responsible for the lack of respect. You know what? If your pastors, if your preachers, if your deacons, if your leaders don't show respect for God, the people will follow suit. That's what it says. That's not my words, God's words. This commandment is for you. Because of their sinful leadership, God has a message just for them. And let's see verse 2. If ye will not hear, and if ye will not lay it to heart to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed them already, because ye do not lay it to heart. So he says, first of all, hear. Hearing means inwardly accepting it in your hearts to do what God has commanded us. You know, a lot of times we hear people, but do we really hear it? Do we hear with an understanding? You know, that's hearing. That's what we're talking about. If you will not hear, if you will not understand, to give glory unto my name, he says, not giving God glory that he deserves. If you will not, if you will not understand, if you will not give glory to my name, saith the Lord of hosts. This phrase means mighty warrior. He So he says here, if you will not hear, understand, if you will not lay it in your heart to give the glory to my name, who happens to be the mighty warrior, <laughs> how dare you not fear me, he says. I'm the mighty warrior. He said, I, this comes from God, I will even send a curse upon you. I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed them already. This is a fulfillment, by the way, promised in Deuteronomy 28, 20. It says, the Lord shall send upon thee cursings, vexation, and rebuke in all that thou settest thine hand unto for to do until thou be destroyed and until thou perish quickly because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby thou hast forsaken me. God has promised the Deuteronomy, he promised the Jews that this would happen, and it is now happening. Verse 3, Behold, I will corrupt your seed, and spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn, your, your solemn your feast, and one shall take you away with it. Behold, he says, Behold, I will corrupt your seed. The behold is pointing to a person or thing, introduces clauses involving predictions. Here it serves to introduce a solemn and important declaration. Behold, I'm going to give you something now. Behold, behold, look at this. He said, look at this now. I got something for you. I will. God wants these priests to know that he will be the cause of their calamity. He will be the one. Not outside sources, not Babylon, not something else. God himself, the mighty warrior that you don't fear. You better fear. He used the word corrupt. I will corrupt, meaning to rebuke. This word corrupt here means rebuke. This is the opposite of blessing. It means to forbid it to grow. I will forbid it to grow. I will forbid your seed to grow. Your seed, he points explicitly to them. Your seed. Seed in this context refer to sowing. He would hinder their efforts in whatever they choose to do. Whatever that might be. I will corrupt, I will hinder, I will rebuke your seed. Whatever you do is now cursed of me. I will not help it in any way. I will hinder it. 
I will make it corrupt. I will rebuke it because you have rejected me. Because you don't fear me, I'm going to show you who I am, is what he says. And spread, it said, dung upon your faces, even the dung of swollen of solemn feasts. When animals were sacrificed, all the refuge, including their dung and all, was taken outside the camp and discarded as worthless. These priests would be seen by the people for who they were. And dung would actually be thrown in their faces. People would throw with total show lack of respect for them because they know who they are. Of what they've done. Of how they've taken and, and, and abused the people. How they gave worthy sacrifices, yet the priests took and gave unworthy sacrifices in their place. You know, if you give money to the church for something and the church was to take and use it for something else, you can see how that would make you angry. Well, these priests did that. They took the, these animals that they gave and would use their weak animals in their place. And so when they find this out, they said they would actually throw dung in their place, faces. They would be seen as one having filth upon their face and stench about them. So no one would want to have anything to do with them. They would lose total respect from their people. Totally. Because of their. And it says, the one shall take you away with the people would eventually see them for who they were and cast them out in the same place they do animal dung. Verse 4, And ye shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with the Levites, saith the Lord of hosts. God designed these bitter experiences of consequences to admonish them. God wanted them to return, just like a father who admonishes his children. He doesn't want to throw them out the door. He wants to use this discipline to make them come back to him. To make them do what is right. You know, you don't beat a youngin. You don't spank a youngin because you get joy out of it. You spank them so that they remember, so they do better next time. So they know that this is the right thing to do. He says that my covenant with Levi might be maintained, that is. It was for your good, which would be ensured by your maintaining the Levitical command. This this, this this thing here was for your good. These things that are going to happen is for your good. I admonish you that you should return to your duties, that my covenant with the Levi might be, might be returned. Malachi's function here is acting as a reformer, leading back the priest and the people to the law. In Malachi 4.4 he says that. So we see my covenant, my covenant, my commitment with Levi might be reestablished. He says in verse uh, 5, My covenant was with him, Levi, of life and peace, and I gave them to him for fear, wherein he feared me and was afraid before my name. This talks about the agreement God made with Levi. God promised Levi and his family life and peace, but that promise was conditional. Levi and his family must fear God. If you fear God, you will have life and peace. If you don't fear God, you won't have life in peace. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. To those who would accept Jesus, will have life eternal. It's predestined that if you will accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, everyone who accepts him from the foundations of the world will be saved. And those who reject him from the foundations of the world will be lost. That's what we mean by predestination. You yourself have a choice. Yes, we are not of the belief that you don't have a choice. For the Bible tells us that whosoever, let him come, that God is not a respecter of person, that 
All you have to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in thine heart that God hath raised from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. So God says to you, I want you to be saved. I've done everything for you. It's all mine. It's about me, not you. All you have to do in this process is believe. Open your heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to come in and change you into a new creature. So Levi had a choice, though. And Levi and his family must fear God. This fear was one of respect and reverence. He said, he will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. That's what he said in Psalms 115. In Nehemiah 1.5, he says, And I said, I beseech thee, O God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and deserve his commandment. See, God will respect those who love and fear him. I've heard it said this way, those of us who love God the most fear him the most because we know his awesomeness. He is the mighty warrior. Verse 6 says, The law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. Talking about Levi. He walked with me in peace and equity and did turn many away from iniquity. The law of truth was in his mouth. He taught the people the truth of the law in all its fullness. The priest was the ordinary expounder of the law. The prophets were also on special occasions, but the priests were kind of like the preachers, right? They were to give people the expounder of the law. We see the, another part of the verse says, and iniquity was not found in his lips. There was no injustice in his judicial functions. He did what God told him to do and judged people according to the word of God, to the word that he had. And then it says, he walked with me in peace and equity. Levi's walk was marked by faith and obedience. The peace, which was the fruit of obeying the covenant, and peace with God, man, and one's conscience is the result of walking with God. See, Levi walked with peace and equity. We see, and it says in the last part, and did turn many away from iniquity. Because of Levi's walk with God, and his faith and trusting God, and his fear of God, and acting in front of other people, many people came to faith in God. That's the way it is today, folks. If we walk in peace, if we walk, if we walk in peace and equity with God, with people, if we walk and share our faith with other people, if we don't spend our times criticizing the lost, the lost are lost, folks. I say this all the time. They're lost. I mean, what do you expect? They're lost. They don't have the guiding light of the Holy Spirit to lead them in the right way. Therefore, we should have sympathy for them because we were just like them until we accepted Jesus Christ. Don't be surprised at what the lost can do. Be surprised. It does surprise me sometimes at what the saved do because they shouldn't be doing it. A lot of times I'm surprised and disappointed. But here God says, Levi walked with me. He is faith in trusting me. And because of that, many people did turn from iniquity. We, if we do the same, we can set that example also. In verse 7, the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law in his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. It says, for the priest's lips should keep knowledge. He's telling these priests, look, in doing, in doing so, what is stated in verse 6, the priest was doing their duties. If you keep knowledge, if you say those things, if you do what Levi did, then you're doing what you should be doing. That's what your duty is. Knowledge of the law is doctrines and positive and negative precepts. That's what he's talking about. Keep knowledge. The Bible tells us that a 
uh, that a uh, a minister should be worthy of his hire, that he should seek God's word. It says here, and they should seek the law at his mouth. The people should expect to receive the truth from the priest. A preacher who doesn't spend time in the word is not much of a preacher. Um, it takes time to prepare and to understand God's word. And those who don't spend the time on it, you can tell. It says they, they, that because people should seek the counsel of their priests or their ministers. The law is the true meaning of the law and its purposes. You know, the, 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 the Levi knew, he sought, he read the word, he studied the law because he wanted to do the right thing for the people. And only through studying the word can we give the true meaning to the people. And then it says, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Remember, mighty warrior. The priests are messengers of the mighty warrior. I have a website called The Battle is Within because we're fighting a battle. And the battle, we can win the battle from within ourselves. It's not what the world does to us, but what we do to ourselves. Well, the mighty warrior, we are messengers. Those of us who are speaking, preaching, and teaching the word of God, we're messengers. But you, as an individual Christian, are messengers of the Lord of hosts, the mighty warrior. So we should be doing that. Verse 8 and 9, we're going to go now to following the Lord in verse 8. It says, verse 8, but ye are departed out of the way. Goes back to the priest. Remember, he gave an example of Levi, what he did, and he moves now back to the priest. But ye are departed out of the way. You priests have willfully left the right things you knew and turned to evil. And he says, out of the way, you have broken the covenant. You have broken your agreement with me. You have departed out of the way. You have broken the covenant. Things you're doing is not right. He says, ye have caused many to stumble at the law. Because you have, because you have, because many, he says, you have, ye have cursed many to stumble. You have cursed many. So because of your sin, you have caused many to sin. You know, these preachers that will believe, easy believe them, say a prayer and you're done. Without true repentance. You know, I've read this other day that, uh, you know, people say God is the father of all people. He's not. God created Adam and Eve and created with them the ability to reproduce. After that, men and women reproduced. God created Adam and Eve with the ability to reproduce. Jesus said to the, to the scribes and Pharisees, ye are of your father, the devil. See, God is the father of those who accept him, who worship him, who follow him, who are messengers of the mighty warrior. See, these priests, because they were not following God, they caused many to be stumbled, to be cursed. They have caused many to stumble at the law. By scandalous examples, um, at the law is concerning the observance of the law. They didn't follow what God had told them to do because they weren't being led. In many churches today, we see that happening too, don't we? We see churches that are more uh, places of socializing. We see them doing things that are against God's word and then using, they're saying, well, the Bible's not really. Well, you know, the Bible. Let's tell you, if you don't follow the word of God, if you're not listening to the word, if you're not reading the word of God and studying it and believing what it says, then you're in the wrong place, folks. And your ministers are leading you in the wrong way. They have caused you to stumble at the law. And you, because of that sin, may have to pay the ultimate price. 
for not following the true and living mighty warrior of God. He says to these priests, listen, you may be in the church. You may be doing things that you think are right, but you're violating my law. And because of that, you will be cursed. We see the second part, he says, the third part, ye have corrupted the covenant of the Levi, of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. You've broken the agreement I made with Levi, not fulfilling his conditions. They had and have forfeited its promises. Because you have forfeited, because you've not met the covenant of Levi, because you've not done what God has promised you to do, you committed to do as a priest, you have forfeited all its blessings. Verse 9 says, Therefore have I made you contemptible and base before all people, according as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial to the law. Because you do not keep the conditions of the covenant, I will not fulfill the promises, he says. I will also make sure the people see your corruption and despise you for it. Partial in the law, having respect to persons rather than to truth in the interpretation and administration of the law. You know what? Today, we have this debate going on of whether or not we allow those people who violate the law to be part of our church. Let me tell you, first of all, the church is a place for everybody. The church is a place for everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your sin is. Don't reject anybody from coming to church because where should they be? Bring everybody to the storehouse. Bring them all. Bring your sick and your lame. Bring them all to the storehouse for there they should hear the word of God. But if the priests, if the preachers, if the leaders are not preaching out of the word of God, then it's just allowing them, leading them in a way to stumble. But here we see that they were allowing people to participate and to be acceptable because of who they were. That was wrong. So then we turn back, we turn now to the last part, which is uh, Malachi 3, 5, and 6. And he says in verse 5, I will come near to you to judgment. God promised the nation he would come near to them to judge them. I will be a swift witness. There will be no delay when God determines the judgment day. When God determines the judgment day, it will come upon you. The Bible says, as a thief in the night, when you're not ready, when you're not aware, it will come when you are not ready. God charges against them will not be delayed, but clearly stated when it comes about. Malachi gives a list of some of these sins, but not all of them. These people had done sorcery, those that cast lots, who tell others, you know, these things like that, adulterers, false swears, profanity, and liars. We see that in the news and the TV. Every We can't turn on regular TV without seeing profanity. They oppress means they wrong people. They wrong their workers. They wrong widows. They wrong orphans. These people have no respect. Do not help their neighbors when in need as we are supposed to do. They can do all these evil things because they do not fear God will punish them. See, that's why people do the things they do because they don't fear the mighty warrior. And verse 6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob, are not consumed. For I am the Lord, the Jehovah. A name implies his immutability, faithfulness, and fulfilling his promise. The covenant name of God to the Jews, called here the sons of Jacob in reference to God's covenant. I change not. Make no mistake. God does not change. He does not excuse. He executes judgment on the wicked because he is the God of judgment. He can change his mind because man may do something that changes the situation. Example, you're, if, you're, if you reject him, you're on your way to hell. And God has 
you're sending you to hell. But if you accept him as your Savior, God changes his mind towards you. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? Therefore ye are sons of Jacob, not consumed. They are spared. This nation of Israel were going to be spared because he says, I am Jehovah, and I made a commitment to Jacob. I will spare them in spite of your sins, but I will also punish them. And while I punish them, I will not wholly consume them. I'm not going to wipe them from the face of the earth because there's coming a time when they will be back again. Conclusion. The priests and the religious leaders of Malachi day feared not God and therefore did not reverence him as their Lord and Savior, mighty warrior. Because of that lack of reverence, they did not show him the worship and respect he deserved. Because of the corrupt leadership, the people also did not respect and reverence God. As a result of this disrespect, they would suffer at the hands of God and his anger would be provoked. Even in that darkness, God still loved them and wanted them to come back to him as he had prepared a way for their redemption. How does this apply to our lives today? First of all, are we showing proper respect to God today? Are we treating him like he is God, the mighty warrior, or do we treat him like a buddy, a friend that we can pal around with, but not some that we need to fear or listen to? Are our preachers and pastors and deacons and Sunday school teachers living their lives in an example of respect and reverence to the Lord of hosts? Pray for your church leaders that they show the reverence God deserves so that those within the church will have the examples they need for them to follow. Well, I thank you for your time and your attention. I, uh, I pray we're going to close in a word of prayer and then end this. But I hope you got something from this today. This book is a mighty book on respect and on reverence to God, the mighty warrior. It does give us the promise of the Gentiles of what we're doing today. There are lots of stuff in there talking about the millennial reign of Christ that's to come and, and the return of this return of Jesus. So we rest you to read that in the latter part of the book. But we appreciate you being with us. Now, if you don't have a place to go, remember to turn to branchchapel.com and you can go to uh, the, there's a variety of Facebook Live events or YouTube events starting at 11 o'clock. Our pastor, Eric Naren will be there to preach and they'll be singing and, and worship. So we pray that if you don't have a place to go, that you turn on our services that's coming up next. We thank you for your time and your, and your, your being with us. We're going to close in a word of prayer. Mighty God, mighty warrior. We thank you, Lord. We fear you and what you can do. Lord, we have sympathy. We are brokenhearted at those who will die in their sin because they don't know you, because they've rejected you, because they show irreverence for you, because they blaspheme your name. We pray, Lord, for those in this world that they come to know you. We thank you, Lord, that you told us in 2 Peter that you're not slack concerning your promise, but is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. I thank you, Lord, for your, your willingness to hold out. I pray for us as Christians, Lord, that we stand in the gap, that we hold your name up high, that we be the, war the warrior, the messengers of the mighty warrior, that we fight that battle within us so that we may share your gospel to others. We pray, Lord, right now. As we go into the morning worship services around the world where the gospel is preached both in person and via the internet, that your Holy Spirit find its way into hearts and lives of people. Lord, that truly say today, be a great day.
for your name. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.